Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward DeSalle, and this week we do not have Arthur Black. He is traveling somewhere in Texas. We hope to see him again in a future episode. Otherwise, he may have been bitten by a rattlesnake and was lost out into the desert. But uh, <laughs> uh, we've got two guests with us today, um, some close personal friends of mine as well. We've been trying to get you guys on the show for a while, but trying to get you at the same time is, is a bit of a trick. So uh, we have Aaron Kim and Mark Swartz from Cannonball Brewing. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank Thanks. You. It's great. So Aaron is the chef at Cannonball, and Mark is the founder, brewer, beer guru. I don't know. What do you call yourself? Floor mopper. Yeah. Part-time dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, we're sitting here drinking beer now. I asked you a little bit earlier what you had for breakfast, and uh, you're like, uh, beer? <laughs> and, uh, what, what did you have last night to drink? Uh, beer. Yeah. Were you drinking here? Were you working all night? Um, I actually, I, I probably had a couple of beers, but um, I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, more I, than a couple. Yeah, not, not really. Um, let's see. Yeah, I was working last night, uh, just cleaning. So. You have anything to drink? I did. I had a black circle face paint. Ooh, what is that? Pale ale, delicious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black Circle, they uh, they do all the metal shows up there. Yeah. So big big fan of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, there's a show this Friday. Uh, shout out to Obscene and uh, Kyle Shaw. They they've got a gig there this coming Friday. So I'm gonna head it up. Nice. And uh, Deceased is is the headliner. So yeah. I plan on being there. I don't know if anybody else. You guys are welcome to come. We weren't there for metal. We were just there for beer, but... The metal kind of leaks in, yeah, yeah, especially at the volumes Mm -hmm. inside there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as always, I'm still in the process of moving. I live... I'm halfway in between two homes at the moment. So, like, I'm sleeping in one place, but showering in the other place because all my clothes haven't been moved yet. But I have taken the rum, which is the all-important part. And so I've been drinking uh, a lot more tea punches, well, more than usual. I, I, drink, <laughs> I do drink a lot of them, but I've been drinking even more than usual. Moving is a great reason to drink heavily. Oh, my God. It's really, really... I said when we bought our, our most recent place, the place where we're living now, anyway, we lived there for 12 years, that we would never buy another place in Indiana. Like, because just moving is just a nightmare. So I'm like, if you're going to do it again, just go all out and, right, exactly, make it big, go out to the Pacific Northwest, love it out there, and just disappear. But that's not what ended up happening. (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously we're we're pretty, we've got our roots down with the restaurants and bars and stuff, so I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, don't leave us now. We love your places, so. And get ready to open another one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the Tiki Bar is coming along. And so, yeah, my... Um, back to I would just I've been having a couple of text conversations this morning with people that are kind of in the same boat I am as far as anxiety and panic attacks and <laughs> just trying to get through that man I mean it's it's a really hard thing to do on top of all the work um, I'm learning about those yeah, opening man. a place <laughs> well so I wanted to, to to ask about that or to talk about that because <clears throat> this place is real unique for Indianapolis um you're in an interesting neighborhood that didn't have much going on. You did most of the work on your own. I remember coming in here when you were doing the build out and there was no, there were no contractors. It was all you, Mark. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i like looking around. I'm like, I remember when Mark was putting that in and putting that in and, you know, I mean, but you were waiting on a, a license. Is that right? What? I was waiting for the brewer's permit 
So rather than hiring a lot of contractors, of course, I hired the ones for the electrical and plumbing and the, the things that you were required to, but I did things like put in the floor and build the bar. And um, I tell people the bar that. installation almost caused an aneurysm. <laughs> like, oh, you like this bar? Yeah, Mark almost died over it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, you've got an interesting background because you, prior to doing this, you were a commercial airline pilot. Uh, that's that's correct. Uh, I flew for ATA Airlines here in Indianapolis for 14 years. Um, right around 2008, uh, when the economy went bad, then you couldn't buy a, a flying job anymore. So um, really got that bad. It did. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then if you did find one, uh, you, you couldn't live on the salary that they were paying back sure. then. So. Uh, I started uh, looking around and decided to make beer instead. So when you were starting to make beer, but you weren't planning on doing this as a full-time gig in 08, surely? No, it, it was a hobby um, back then. I'd been doing it even prior to that, uh, just down in my basement. But it's kind of when the seed was planted, I think. So. Best time, you know, when the economy is in the shitter and, uh, and <laughs> well, nobody wants to buy it. Come on, <laughs> you know what? People either they drink when they're happy and drink when they're sad. So. Also true, man. <laughs> no, we opened our first place two weeks after Lehman Brothers failed. I mean, it's like after they get, you get rolling. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Well, let's wait till the economy bounces back. I'm like, oh, that might take four or five mm -hmm. years. Just bite yeah. the bullet. <laughs> And then jumping over to Aaron, because I've known you now for probably, well, see, our first place will be 10 years old this fall, so I think I met you shortly thereafter, but you were a sous chef at our bistro. Right, right. Um, with my current business partner at Black Market, Micah Frank. That's right. And so we actually have done a couple dinners with you in the past, and it's really cool that you landed here, um, because I, I think that there aren't too many breweries that really put the emphasis on food in the way that you guys do. I think you're right. I think other people might be trying to follow suit, though. Like, maybe we've started something there. I hope so. Uh, so that I don't just have to eat pizza and, you know, fried whatever. I mean, I right. love those things. I mean, I love yeah. to snack on bar food when I'm at, at a beer pub. But and I, no offense to a cluster truck and places like that, but people don't have to order in at every brewery now. Right. They have yeah. food right, right in front of them. So. Well, I think... From what I've seen, I've seen it kind of moving in waves, right? Like in, in Indiana, you know, we have to serve food if you're serving alcohol. Um, so we have a lot of listeners from out of state um, and don't realize that. So we've got to offer something. But there was the uh, Sun King Brewing had their uh, famous $50 uh, Hot Pocket. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, with us and a lot of us, I mean, if you're going to serve it, you might as well, and you put your name on it, you might as well do it right. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I think I feel like everybody was ordering in there for a while and just bringing in a catering service or some trucks. Food trucks were parked outside a lot, but now that the food truck operators, I think, realize that it gets real fucking cold here in the winter time, <laughs> that um, maybe perhaps a, a different a different way to go about it would be would, uh, would be lucky. So right. Um, yeah, but like your particular uh, background, I think, is what's real interesting to bring to a brewery. Like, you haven't been, like, that short order cook or you haven't been running, you know, uh, 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 bar food, I guess, is what I'm looking for. You know, fried macaroni and cheese. Or right. Do you, right. You don't do we, don't, I don't, we don't even have a fryer. Yeah, I don't have a fryer. I don't have a microwave. I don't have a grill. But people are... Yeah, this I'm kitchen's crazy. so surprised you have what like I nothing. do. 
I have, yeah, I have right. an easy bake oven and a hot plate, basically, I tell people. <laughs> That's it's not little, really that far off from yeah, what we're looking at right now. I use my panini press to keep things warm even, so, yeah. It reminds me, I mean, there's a place in, uh, God, I think it's in Montreal that's got, like, still got an electric range. And yeah. they're cooking everything on. And, I mean, you got to make it work while you can make work. Mm-hmm. If you can make that happen. Because you're pretty much it, right? Like, you, there's I, no room in this place for two cooks to work. Absolutely not. I, I have recently gotten some prep help, but during service, it's just me cooking everything. And people are so surprised what I can do. Like, they look away for a moment and look back and there's beautiful plates of food in front of them. They're like, how did you do that? I've been I here didn't and even I see it either. happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're like, did you just have that in a cooler yeah, already? I here every day from? and I can't figure out how she does it. <laughs> and then we sell 10 more of those because people see it and say, oh my God, what, how, where'd that come from? That looks delicious. <laughs> I mean, this is really one of the hidden gems. And I know you're just about ready to celebrate your second anniversary. Second anniversary yeah, yeah, in which November. we were talking about doing a collaborative thing. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited. But how many seats do you have in here? Because this is a really small place. It's uh, 38 seats. 38 seats. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know, do you consider yourself kind of a nano brewery? I don't know what kind right. of... Right, it is a nano. It's typically anything under three barrels is a nano. Okay. And uh, we're, we have a two-barrel brewing system. So this neighborhood is Kings Park? Kennedy King is the okay. name of the neighborhood. Kennedy King. And so this is the neighborhood where... Um, Chef Micah from Black Market lives. He actually lives two blocks away. When you announced that you were opening this place here, I was like, this is a really, we were, really yeah, bad idea. We were going to set up a recliner We, we hardly for him ever at see the him bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He should have his, his name on a there's a distillery across the street now. Yeah, right. But, but that's what's insane to me, because when we first partnered up before we got Black Market open, I got, I can't tell you how many times I got phone calls from the police saying, your house was just broken into. I'm like, oh my God, again. And then I was, they'd tell me the address. I'm like, oh, no, that's not my house. That's my, that's my business partner's house. Because they, <laughs> they would find all of our like, uh, LLC paperwork lying around oh, okay. in his yeah. office. So they would like, assume it was him, and they would call me. And then I'd have to be the bearer of bad news. Like, hey, man, they broke into your house again. Hey, Micah, <laughs> you have to buy another TV again. He, he, he finally gave up. He doesn't yeah. have a television anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah, or a computer. He, just, he was like, I'm tired of buying uh-huh. this stuff over and over and over again. I need to tell him it's probably safe it's enough. Probably safe he, enough. He, he can buy one now. <laughs> right. If you can keep a brewery and a distillery operating a block and a half away I'm sure that you can yeah, own a television I think yeah. he's probably happy with the uh, property value yeah. too now yeah. poor oh, guy yeah. was just, he was just ahead of his time he was about 10 years too early but like <laughs> this neighborhood's great it's, it's kind of I always find it to be a little strange because it still feels very residential very um, much so you know we there are a couple things happening now there's West Fork um, whiskey or there's a West Fork whiskey company yes. okay right yeah. there they don't do other stuff uh, West Fork Whiskey Company across the street, then Cannonball here, and you said there's a coffee joint going in across the street? Yes. Yeah, finally. They just started working on it today. Oh, super. Yeah. And it's literally in the middle of a neighborhood. Right. <laughs> right. Well, for now, that's going to change, right? I mean, if, if all this, like, is like, all this zoned commercial going all the way down the street? Um, actually, I'm not sure uh, what it's zoned at, but it, it works. It's just a little neighborhood brew pub. Sure. So. We're the corner of commerce on 17th Street, and then 16th Street is so much business. So Right. So when you were looking for a way. spot to put your dream, right? So 2008 rolls around. You know, I mean, walk me through the thought process here. 08, you start doing some home brewing. You're no longer flying. 
um, you working, were you working like as a train engineer yeah, or something? Didn't, yeah, yeah, I did it. <laughs> During the, the recession, uh, I went to work for a company uh, as a as a conductor, uh, train conductor. I, w- I was looking for anything. I just did, did needed you, to make house payments. <laughs> did you wear the Did you wear That's the cute hats and overalls and stuff? No, no. But there were there were a lot of people that did though. Aww. Yeah. So well, that um, would have been a bonus. I know it's what I've always done when I needed to pay my bills was just go apply for a train conducting position. Sure. <laughs> you sure. know why they they were at a job fair that I was at, so I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> We'll give this a shot. Um, And then we, gosh, we just had, I was looking for anything. Um, They were right after ATA went out of business. I was throwing boxes at FedEx for a while, you know, Um, just doing anything. And we just, my wife and I started talking about it. And we started talking about opening a little brew pub. And this was... The hardest part about the whole thing was finding a, a place, a building, um, the right location. So this was the third location we looked at, but I'm glad it worked out the way it did because I love it here. Well, that's the part that I'm real curious about because when you were looking at it, there wasn't anything around it. I mean, it was a bunch of vacant lots. There were crack houses a couple blocks away, and that's not a joke. You know, right. I mean, like <laughs> there were gunshots, there was theft. I mean, this was a neighborhood that you know you wouldn't think. Hey, I'm going to go open a cool like little nano brewery. Yeah. Like, what led you to here? Was it the neighborhood itself or, like, um, Partially the neighborhood. I live less than a mile from here. Um, and I saw how the the neighborhood where I live transitioned um, also. And then when the King Park Development Corporation next door to us was moving over to this area, um, I kind of was hoping then that they would, that the neighborhood would uh, come around. So we just took a chance. There was a lot of sleepless nights at first. Oh, I'm sure, man. So, <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I remember dropping in just a couple of times, and you just up all night and putting up your railing, right? Stairs. Remember those Drinking days? Beer. Yeah. Remember those <laughs> days when you had a day job still? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were still doing. That's right. right. You were still working. Yeah, while I you was were in uh, management for a local airline at the time. I wasn't flying anymore, but I was. Uh, and that's where I learned sitting at a desk wasn't for me. Yeah, man. <laughs> but sitting in a cockpit's okay. Yeah, like, sitting I feel like in a cockpit's are cool, but oh, uh, I believe sitting, that. In a, sitting in a cubicle was not yeah. my thing at all. I believe sitting in a cockpit would be pretty fucking badass. Like, I don't know if how, like, I would deal with the kind of claustrophobia of it, but the view? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't beat the view. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen that. Like, and, it's got to be a trip, man. And it, was, it was great to be able to travel the world, and it, that's kind of... To see all the airports of the world? <laughs> uh, we have layovers. Like, the airline I flew for, we would have eight, nine days at a time in Budapest or something, so... Really? Yeah, yeah. So it, it was kind of a different charter-type airline, and so... We didn't have schedules that 12 hours later you were back on the road again. Um, so Sweet we actually cake. had time at a lot, of, a lot of places. And that's kind of where the idea for this came is a lot of places in Europe that just have the little neighborhood pubs. And it's kind of where we got the idea for this. What's the coolest little pub you've been to out of the country? Uh, you got to have a favorite. Jeez. 
I mean, um, I mean, mine aren't. It, it was many, like, many beers ago. Right. I was gonna say. I think, I think Budapest was one of my favorite cities. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it there. And it's so high on my list of places to check out. <laughs> yeah, like all my favorite experiences in any bars never have anything to do with like how great the cocktails were or whatever. It's just like some insane kick-ass night. Like yeah, the pe- the people atmosphere, and uh, atmosphere, who you yeah. meet at the bar. Yeah, other yeah, patrons. Yeah. yeah. I will never forget. I, I was in Palermo. Uh, in Sicily the first time and we had walked by this place twice it was a bar called Bukowski and I was like I'm fucking definitely <laughs> drinking at a bar called Bukowski right um, oh yeah and so we had actually just gone to go see the uh, um, Teatro Massimo Orchestra play in the Botanical Gardens and my wife was, wanted to go see that because the, the theater or I'm sorry the opera was out of season and on the way back I'm like alright this is our last night in Palermo we're definitely fucking hitting Bukowski now Walked into the bar, which, of course, in Italy, nobody sits inside if it's, like, you know, above, right. like, four degrees Celsius. I feel like nobody wants to sit inside. <laughs> and we sat there with the bartender and the bar owner and got completely destroyed. And to the point where, like, they just, like, handed me the, uh, they were running all their music off of a laptop. It was just YouTube. Oh, wow. Like, literally, they were just, like, YouTubing music. And I mean, it was this tiny little joint. I think there was, like, four bar seats, and then, you know, there's probably another 30 seats outside on the patio or whatever, the sidewalk. And eventually we realized that we all liked the same music, so they just handed me the laptop, and I was like, this is cool. So we were, we were listening to all sorts of weird shit, and people from, like, the inside on the sidewalk kept, like, peeking their head in, like, what in the fuck is going on in there? Why are we seeing all this stuff in English? There's, <laughs> been, there's been a takeover. Were there great drinks? I, yeah, don't, Who knows? I mean, I remember there was rum shots. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> right. And definitely some Negronis. So um, have you been to Malaga, Spain? I have not, no. It's, yeah? Yeah, it's one of my favorite places also. So, yeah. I love it. Like, so you and your wife, and we haven't mentioned your wife, Tanya, yet, because um, she's kind of in and out of this place, because she still travels a lot for right. her job. Yes. Um, listening to you guys talk just kills me. You're like, oh, have you been to Malaga? Oh, have you been to this? Have you been to that? You're like, no, because I don't have the time or the money. <laughs> and your, your story about well, ringing in the new millennium, and oh, like, that yeah. was, come uh, on now. Um, yeah, come the, on, I got to hear this now. The, the charters we did... Uh, this trip, it was over the millennium uh, new year. So we went from, the trip started in LA. We went to uh, went to Fiji, then Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, actually Auckland first. Uh, we had New Year's in Auckland. Uh, went to Christchurch, New Zealand. And I'm sorry, I got it backwards. It's been a while now. <laughs> we, we, there are people that listen to this that were not born at this time. Right. <laughs> we uh, had the first New Year's in Auckland, and then... Oh, uh, geez, come on. Yeah, it was the you first... You're chasing the New you Year's? You see where this and is then, going, Yeah, we you? crossed the Dateline uh, to uh, Tahiti, they were one of the last cities to have New Year's and had New Year's twice for 2000. Fuck off. I, I was working in a restaurant. Yes. I, I made it home just in time to go, woo, my computer's still working. That was during a very weird two-year stretch for me where I was not in restaurants. Oh. Like, I had a job job, and it was a nightmare, and a bunch of buddies of mine were supposed to come into town and go party with me. And I got a call, like, two weeks before uh, my buddy Jamal was like, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't make it. 
And I said, oh, well, not a big deal, not a big thing. I ended up working about a half hour late that night, came home. But when he said, I can't make it, I didn't realize he meant I personally am the only one that can't make it because the other three guys were sitting on my doorstep went to my apartment uh, <laughs> when I got home. And they were like already half drunk. They'd been yeah. there for hours. Like, Come on. I was like, oh, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. I was not a- chilled. <laughs> no. And then 2000 was like, oh, or at midnight, everybody's expecting everything to shut down. And, oh. Yeah, it was. You weren't on an airplane at the click uh, over, were you? That might have made me a little nervous. Um, no, we were the Y2K. Like right. everything shut down. But we were in Tahiti laughing because people were in bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of days. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's cool that it led to this. I mean, yeah, you, definitely. You, and, it's like, and like I said, it just kills me when you and your wife Tanya mention that. Although I did get to run into Tanya in oh, Rome. Oh, yeah, that's right. That I was such a random, that. like, <laughs> and, and there's been so many weird little threads from that, that trip to Rome. But, yeah, we were, I think I checked in on Facebook or, or Instagram or something. And then she, like, texted me. She's like, are you in Rome? <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm in Rome. Rome. She's like, where are you at? I'm like, I'll be right now in Via del Corso. Where are you at? She's like, I'm in Trastevere. I'm like, all right. Should we hook up? She's like, ah, we're with all the pilots and hanging out tonight. But maybe tomorrow. And then. Yeah, I know she hates me for that night because we met for lunch at Italy. Uh, what, uh, uh, Ostiense, I think is where it is. But then ended up having like a little picnic and testacho and then like four, nah, three bottles of wine, four bottles of wine. And then we met some other dude from San Francisco. Actually, he worked at La Conda. <laughs> uh, just small world, right? And right, exactly. And so now at the, at the time that I met that guy, he was a server there, but the um, chef that was at Laconda at that time actually ended up becoming one of our employees at Black Market, right? Yep. Uh, Lane Milburn. Uh, but yeah, that's why I said there's like <laughs> some, the, all these weird little threads. But yeah, and then we ended up uh, going out with some uh, couple ladies from London, and it got fuzzy. But let's talk about the food here a little bit because, like I said, you're bringing something totally different to the table. And what I've always dug about you know your cuisine is that you're very heavily Mediterranean influenced. Yes, um, I love which, Mediterranean food. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that anybody would assume that parallel in a brewery. Like, hey, let's go to Cannonball. They've got great Mediterranean food. And, <laughs> and Just had a kick-ass mezza there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, my menu's not entirely Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, but uh, it's my favorite food to cook. Yeah. For sure. So there's always something on the menu that's... How, how did that start? I don't know. I have always loved that type of food. And I, I've told people when they ask like what my influence, where it came from. And like my mom is a great cook. And back in the seventies, she was making baba ganoush and hummus. And she's from Logan sport. It's not like it's her background, you know, I'm typical Irish, German, Scottish ancestry, but it's just the food that we absolutely love. And like family trips to Florida, we would always eat Greek food, big Greek population down there, and I don't know, that just became my favorite, my favorite food to cook and eat, and my, you guys were talking about favorite bars, my favorite restaurant experience was by myself at Oleana Restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, right on. Like, really great, just high-end, Middle Eastern, uh, heavily, like, Turkish influence, I'd say, um, 
and just fantastic. And the chef is, I think her background is like Swedish or something. So I sort of identify with her that this is the type of food she loves, even though it has nothing to do with her background at all. Just, you know, traveling and... So how's that getting through onto the menu that you've got here? Because um, obviously you've got to play within... It's not a... I don't know. It's it's not a restaurant. I mean, it is a brewery. It is a tap room. When we started it's, serving it's a little wine, bit of both, we right? became a restaurant, I guess, according to according the excise, to excise. laws. Yeah, really? Is that is that what it is? Huh? Yeah. Right. Start serving wine. You get this other license to serve wine, and it makes you a restaurant. But yeah, so I don't know. That's interesting. Um, like I, <laughs> Mark's yeah. rolling his yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, interesting. That's, that's a great word for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like right now, I have an eggplant shakshuka on the menu. Oh. Shakshuka is one of my favorite things in the world to eat. And this is my version of it. And it goes great with beer. Because beer and food pairings, I think, are way easier than food and wine pairings. Yeah, you can definitely avoid beers. some of like the tannic stuff. Yeah. You know, beers you are super food friendly. And I think it's also not so much... Um, I don't want to say not so much, but... It's very common, you know, especially amongst, you know, historically, you know, when you couldn't afford to have the bottles of wine or if you, or you would get the cheap wine anyway, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, and plus, of course, across <laughs> a good chunk of the Middle East and, you, you know, that's uh, if you can drink it all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in and, and Eastern Europe as well, you know, like we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, you being in Budapest and, you know, right. Germany and... Austria and all that. that That's where I... It, I mean, now me, I'm a Riesling guy. I would go for the Riesling anyway. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can always count on when you're traveling. You can always count on finding a good local beer. Definitely. That is probably true. You yeah. know, it, it's funny because when I say Nano Brewery, what it reminds me of, and this is probably... Maybe how much square footage do you have here? Uh, it's around nine hundred. Nine hundred square feet. Yeah. So it was. They were probably closer to about seven hundred. But it was the most unexpected thing. About two years ago, I went down to um, Panama in Central America, and we flew out to Boquete out in uh, Cherokee and stayed in the mountains. But Boquete is like literally like a two-road town, right? Like there's one road to the main town. There's a little bit of spokes and stuff, but like in the two, they diverge as you go up the volcano. And we're walking through the town one day, and there's a nanobrewery there, um, operated by a couple of American expats, and they like. The windows aren't glass. They're just like, you know, the kind of crank-in windows, and they just open up. Hummingbirds right. were flying right up to the windows because you're like, uh. I think at this point you're around 5,000 feet above sea level, so it's just, you know, kind of rainforest around you. Nice. And, yeah, they had, like, their fermenters just sitting in the dining room, if you can call it a dining room, because they, <laughs> they did not have 38 seats. I think they probably had a max of, like, maybe 20. Wow. But, yeah, that's when in my head when I think of Nano Brewery, I'm like, that's a perfect example of it because it's like, they're making what's absolutely necessary for their customers there at that time. Right. In the middle of Boquete in Panama <laughs> in the mountains on a volcano. It's crazy. At which I, so I guess your, your whole uh, business plan of opening in a uh, dilapidated neighborhood, not nearly as insane as opening on a, on a volcano. volcano. All right, that's next. <laughs> Dude, I'll do it with you, man. Let's go down and provide some competition and we'll get there. All right, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> no, but that's, it's, when you guys, when you started out, did, were you part of the opening team, Aaron? I was, yep. So this was always the idea was to be able to like put up badass food right up, right up front. 
that that's putting a stamp out there. Right. Um, is there, I mean, is there a competition, or do, is there anybody that you see as competition? You don't have to call my, my name, but I mean, there's a lot of big boys in town now that, or that started small 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that have gotten much larger and larger and larger, but is that a, kind of the, uh, is that your customer? No, we, we kind of, we just do our own thing. Um, I mean, the, the brewing is really interesting. I guess technically we're all in competition, but everybody's so cool with each and, other. And Yeah, I think the camaraderie between brewers is right. great, but also patrons who go from brewery to brewery. That's They, they do, you know, brewery crawls, basically. Um, they share the love because yeah. that's what, you know, that's what drinking beer is about, I guess. You, you, you know, get on your bike even and try out five that day. Right. We're <laughs> you know, two so. blocks off of the Monon bike trail. So. Oh, wow. That's the, huge. Yeah. They'll go to center point. To I didn't hear, realize you were that close. House. So yeah. It's, it's just over that way. from our front yeah. door. Okay. So. so for those outside of uh, our market, I mean, the Monon trail goes from downtown Indianapolis all the way, way, I don't even know how far it goes up. It goes way out of the Carmel city, man. Or Westfield like, yeah. or it goes much yeah. farther than you'd want to. <laughs> it, it goes to where all the chain restaurants are. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but it also connects over to downtown to the Indianapolis Cultural Trail, which links all of the cool like arts neighborhoods downtown. So right, that and that connects right over there at uh, where Black Market is. Right. So yeah, it's and, real handy. Yeah, we'll get groups of 20, 30 bicyclists just going brewery to brewery, and they've been schooled into um, knowing that this should be their food stop, basically. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Cannibal has great food. So they come here for lunch. So people are stopping here to get food on the way on their little kind of like uh, bike and brew tours. Right. They've learned that, oh, Cannibal's a good food stop. Don't... How big is the menu? Oh, I have... I have about, I don't know five or six snacks. I've got a couple salads, four paninis, and three entrees, and some and desserts. On that setup? Yes. Like, literally, for those of you used to commercial kitchens out there, I mean, we're looking at 60 inches of workspace, approximately, and you've got, a, what, a 30-inch worktop, uh, megatop down there, and a panini press. That's it. All of it's being done right there. Basically. I mean, I do prep downstairs. Of course. I, it's a small prep kitchen. It gets the job done. But, and I, I do, like, I make my own ice cream, but I do that somewhere else that has a Not professional. Not true. It happens here. Oh, yes, professional, right. A professional ice cream maker. Um, yeah, that's always big, especially if you're going through volume. Yeah. I know when we, when we first opened Black Market, Micah would walk across the street over to our bistro uh-huh. to spend all his ice cream. Uh-huh. That was when you were still over there. Yeah. So now I still go to Art to Go because she has. Oh, the yeah, so you guys are all still using yes. Regina's ice cream maker. Thank you, Regina, for buying that so many years ago. Shout out to Regina Mahalik. That, yes. That's so. That was the owner of Our Bistro, and now she has a place called Art to Go, and apparently all of her uh, her proteges are still using her ice cream maker. <laughs> we we try to leave her some, either to sell or just to enjoy for letting us use her equipment. <laughs> right. I'm surprised you guys haven't burned it out yet at I this know. point. Yeah, it's a solid machine. Well, that's incredible. Um, Brewing-wise, man, we ne- what we never really got to when we're talking about your beer is kind of what you're aiming to do because, um, I mean, man, when I come in here, I'm not getting 
like, hey, look, here's our IPA, and here's our like double IPA, and here's our triple IPA, and here's our melt your face IPA, and here's no, our IPA yeah. that is on fucking like <laughs> two thousand IBUs. <laughs> we, we've uh, never had more than two IPAs on at a time. We have uh, eight draft lines. Um, it's just. It's kind of all over the place, and that's one of the things I really like about having the small brewing system is we can just we can play with different things all the time. We don't have standard beers that are on all the time. They're, they just rotate, and I, I think the customers really like it that way too because you never know what's, what's on tap till you get here. You ever so. had to scrap something? Just totally, just it was a complete uh, fucking failure? A, a couple, but it's, yeah. again, that's one of the things that's... 60 gallons we're getting rid of it's and the not customers never know right yeah <laughs> until now yes <laughs> right but i mean is there any way for you aaron as a chef to utilize any of the wasted beer i mean like if something doesn't come well, out i mean like you to use it in a braise or something like that oh for sure and for a while i was having the servers save all the you know the warm foamy pour off mm-hmm. uh, i had them save a bucket of that so i could make vinegar Oh, beautiful. So I, then I used beer vinegar. Like, I just, I made it in the growlers and let it sit and do its thing. So, yeah, I had beer vinaigrette made from our spent That's beautiful. Beer. See, I mean, that's why I was, like, even with, with waste and, and that, I think, I'm sure that you and Chef Micah, you kind of have a similar background and you work together yep. for, for you so many years. But, yeah, it's like waste doesn't exist. If there's something that the kitchen so has little. and it can be used in the bar, cool. If there's something the bar uses and it becomes waste and it goes back to the kitchen. Yep. Like you I even, at minimum, throw it into a braise, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can, yeah, uh, beer becomes a good stock substitute in braising, so it okay. works. And there you go. people, tip, tip people for your love, home cooks out there. Yes, <laughs> don't throw away your skunked beer. Um, I even, you know, during when I'm making one dish here, uh, I just do a quick pan sauce for the pork tenderloin, and I walk over to the tap and just deglaze with some porter. And people always comment like, oh, my God. Oh, she's using the beer right from the tap. Like, yeah, it's delicious <laughs> the tap liquid. is literally like from 73 inches from your workstation. <laughs> right. Well, I'd be crazy not to. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got these tools here. I mean, so I, I have commented several times on how small your workspace is. But, I mean, do you find that as an attribute? I, I'm sure you would love to have extra hands. but Yeah, but being just me i get a good stretch in but i i can't imagine two of us working back right. here it's too small well, so man, that's I just, why I say if, I, if you had a bigger kitchen because yeah, uh, sure. we've gone both ways we've had small kitchens and we've had big kitchens and almost every time we have the big kitchen um a it's harder to staff mm-hmm. and b it just becomes um the efficiency of motion is a little bit more difficult right. you know you've got to have extra hands on and um small kitchens are efficient right and my Fitbit doesn't even register all my steps because I can stretch <laughs> to get something out of the oven and the panini press at the same time. This is like the Smuggler's Cove of kitchens. Yeah, I don't know if right. you ever had drinks at Smuggler's Cove in San Francisco, but like their whole bar on the main floor is, um, it's really, it, it, one, more than one bartender can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be a guy back there that like restocks a few juices or something like that, but. You have to be able to dance around each other. It's, it's insane. There's and there's person. one guy that can literally reach both sides of the bar. Wow. Uh, with tents. It's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's stretching. And that's why, I mean, it's a lesson in efficiency. Mm-hmm. Wait, I mean, for our listeners out there that are interested in, uh, in hearing more about that, you should listen to our episode, um, uh, Tiki Guru, uh, Martin Kate. Um, he talked a little bit about it, but I'm still, like, I just, 
I like to sit at the corner of the bar at Smuggler's Cove and just watch it happen right. because I've never seen anything so efficient. It's just weird to be like so excited about efficiency, but you're like, look, <laughs> one guy has just like put out 15 cocktails in the last three minutes. How did he do that? You know? Right. And the, the bar right where Aaron is working is always, that's usually the first seats to go because people love to just watch. Yeah. I call it the hot seat or the red zone. The red zone. <laughs> Can be good and bad. Right. <laughs> right, when you start throwing things around. You can't really, I mean, you were completely open to the elements here. You, yeah. there's, this can't be one of those uh, cursing, slamming, throwing pots to the dishwasher. Uh, cursing's fine, though. Cursing's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's at me. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I tend to do it more under my breath because I don't necessarily want people to know I'm cursing about them. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so, this fucking guy at table three is yeah, a fucking like, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, it's, yeah, it's that table, guy. Table three is uh, two feet away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. This guy at the second bar seat is really on my ass, man. <laughs> I do hear some really dumb questions and comments in when I'm, you know, surrounded you by people out? in my... Well, <laughs> it's a lot of... If you're listening, it's not about you. It's about it's somebody about else that said the same thing. <laughs> Someone called me the food fairy once. Like, oh my God, you're just like a food fairy. Like, That's well, not a terrible uh, job yeah, but, description. But I'm a trained professional. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Also yeah. true. Where did you learn how to do this? Well, I, this is not my first rodeo. I've cooked for a long time. And... Uh, yeah, Do you I, care to mention how many years you've been a professional uh, cook? Sure. Uh, let's see. Not everybody. I mean, i got to be careful. I guess. <laughs> I know, Aaron. I, I don't want any punches thrown as long as I'm on this side of the table. I was, I was a latecomer to the business. So okay. let's say 20 years. Okay. I was okay. past my mid-20s when I decided to do this. So I was doing other things. and traveling and teaching English and stuff. Working so. at a bank. That's what I did. Oh, fortunately uh, not. Ever flying airplanes. At a bank. No. <laughs> Driving trains. Yeah. Not so glamorous. But, yeah. I know, right? Like Mark blows past us. Like, yeah, I used to used to fly like 747s and stuff. <laughs> now I don't. Now I make beer. <laughs> but I have this great uh, this airplane tape that will make anything stick. I can I can fix your cooler with airplane tape. Oh that's yeah, what, that's what he does. I need to know about airplane tape, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and apparently, you're the guy I, that I can get stash. it. <laughs> nice. So, where did the name Cannonball come from? Because you initially, I remember when you were shopping around your business plan and you were talking. Well, you and I sat and talked numerous times. Um, not as me as an investor, because. I'm broke. Um, <laughs> I, as much money as I make from this podcast, uh, you know, we're racking up the sponsors as we as we continue. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I, we, you and I talked about it a bunch of times, and you started off with a different name um, right. than what than Cannonball. Right. Well, um, actually, my my wife gets a lot of credit for that. Uh, we were looking around for Indianapolis history, and she uh, kind of came across. Cannonball. His name was Irwin Cannonball Baker, and he won the first motorized race uh, out at the track. Was a motorcycle race in 1909 at the uh, at the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Okay. And um, so, after that race, he went on to set several speed records, going coast to coast on motorcycles and cars. 
And so, like a cannonball run. The cannonball. That's where the cannonball is it, that's run not is actually named is after yes. him. Yes. Oh, you're kidding me? No. Oh my God, this is not my favorite name ever. I mean, like, <laughs> I loved it anyway, but I love Cannonball Run, man. <laughs> yeah, that's all named after him. Uh, it actually started out in the '70s. The the it was an illegal road race that yeah, I think it was right. Road and Track magazine, like. Rock Yates and the, these yeah, guys man. had started, and then it came became a movie. And I, I we got to bring yeah. back the Cannibal Run, man. <laughs> I mean, his mother's brothers got on the airplane and they flew over. Like, oh yeah, such classic fucking seventies <laughs> cinema, man. But yeah, that's all named after Cannonball Baker, I didn't and he was know actually that. an indie uh, resident. He had a house down in Garfield Park. Okay. Um, last year we did a fundraiser. There's now a uh, historical marker down there at his house. Oh, really? So he's, yeah, it was really cool. He's buried at Crown Hill. So cemetery? he's buried in Crown Hill. Well, who the yeah. hell isn't buried in uh, Crown Hill Cemetery? <laughs> we got like West Montgomery and like Slide Hampton. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool people. Mostly jazz guys. I'm a mm-hmm. jazz dude, but um, but so the fundraiser that you guys put together actually was to designate that as a historical right it was with the garfield park their homeowners association also and then we a friend of mine we got one of uh cannonball baker's motorcycles out of the museum at the ims and uh had it sitting here that's incredible man i had no idea yeah, it That's, was cool. Because was your initial time. name was... Uh, was I can't, no, I can't, can't even remember. It was uh, Carrie... Uh, oh, Carrie Nation. Yeah, Carrie Nation. Yeah, we talked about that. Which um, I, think, I think he ended up with a better name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. And your, <laughs> I mean, your love of motorcycles right. and used to race and all that, that... Oh, you're shitting me. Are you it, kidding me? You used to race more, motorcycles more too? Yeah, That's the yeah. fairing off one of my old race bikes. So you used to race motorcycles. You're an airline... Yeah, you are a train conductor. <laughs> you brew beer. You're Indiana fucking Jones, man. <laughs> Did you ever do roller derby? Again, please. That's not another. Yet. That's not another. Yet. You know, like fast. Like right. You know. Maybe I should do that. Think no, that. I think that you need to put your energy into a like Cannonball Run 2019. Um, there's actually. I'm in. <laughs> I don't have a fast car, but I'm in. Now there's a. It's a, called the motorcycle cannonball, and uh, these are posters from it. It's oh, actually. Man. We have a bunch of events next month. Oh shit, that's 2018. Yeah. It's, All right, I'm gonna put the picture of that up on our like Instagram. So for those of you that want to do a motorcycle cannonball. Yeah, they have. Uh, they were all almost hundred year old motorcycles, and they're this year they're going Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. Wow. And, uh, was, yeah. And we're hosting a kickoff party. The, yes. And a Wait a minute, kickoff finish, party. Yeah, there's an party. Indianapolis resident who's riding a 1920 Triumph in this event So you're this going year. to Maine for the kickoff? No, no. We're hosting it here, and then they're oh, okay. leaving then they're from here to go it. to Maine. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, I was like, you either... Still cool, Ed. It's yeah, no, cool. it's still... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not making sense. We're in the middle of the country. <laughs> Man, that's incredible. I had really no idea about any of that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we're, uh, this year, we have so many events in September. We're going to stream the when they cross the finish line in, on September 23rd in Portland, Oregon. So we're going to have an event for that. Um, we're the end point for the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride this year. 
where it's a vintage motorcycle event where um, they ride around the city and they're going to start at the Mayfair Tap Room and end up here this year. I love how all your events involve like operating heavy machinery while drinking. <laughs> we don't condone any of this. It's impressive, isn't right. it? Nor does uh, the Alcohol and Tobacco Commission. Right. Like, yeah, no, it's the police. all very civilized, I promise. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it's restraint, you know. It's right. one drink per three hours. That's it. No one's going over that. Right. <laughs> so you're going to do some special brews for these events? Uh, we probably will. Um, we have a few names, uh, beers named after motorcycling events or old. Uh, we have an Agostini Pale Ale, which uh, Giacomo Agostini won more MotoGP or races than anyone and uh let's see or more championships um we're gonna bring oh, we back have a the... there's a famous motorcycle road in uh north carolina called the tail of the dragon oh i've heard and of this it, this yeah. I, okay wow i finally feel like i know something <laughs> yeah i've heard of that so we make a uh pale like ale a with wish, dragon fruit yeah uh i forget it's 300 and 17 turns in 11 miles. I That's mean, insane, yeah. man. So, and uh, we have a, it, it's a uh, pale ale made with dragon fruit. We call it Pale of the Dragon. Very clever. <laughs> That's a hard flavor to get infused into it anything, is, it, though. It takes a lot of dragon it fruit. It would, yeah. We've, yeah. we've messed with dragon fruit on a lot of different uh, syrups and infusions, and it's, it's a very it, tough flavor to play with. It is. Yeah. Um, but I just looked at your uh, your beers on tap board here, and I just realized you still have the one night in Bangkok, and that's been available almost. Well, so I've only been like what four or five times I've been in, and every time that's been available. Has uh, it been one, somewhat standard? It or goes is away, it, but comes back quickly because people love it so much. Yeah, we we get more probably more requests for that beer than anything really. So what's the what what is the uh, one night in Bangkok all about? Uh, it's just a, it's a golden ale that has Thai basil and ginger in it. Um, no heat? And, no heat? Good. Right. No, no heat. Because it's spicy uh, beers, man. But although you do have an habanero mango uh, porter. Right. Um, but does it have, does it bring heat? Though? Because I feel like with a little bit of sweetness, that kind of probably would tame that down a lot. The, yeah, the I think it's builds. pretty subtle, but it, it's something you can have a whole pint of and not be overwhelmed with the heat. So. Is that a process that you're thinking about while you're like kind of crafting those ideas for beer or even food? Like, I mean, you know, if you have a really spicy thing, like how to temper that in a way that keeps the beer or food balanced, but also doesn't blow somebody out of the water heat wise. Yeah, yeah so I've, definitely. I've made some spicy dishes, but I always make sure there's enough other flavor going on that the spice doesn't overwhelm. That's when you can only taste the spice and you just took one right. bite. That's, yeah, that's pointless. Right. Yeah, I haven't been able to subscribe to this trend of like, we can, we've bred the world's hottest pepper. I'm like, okay, but what use does it have? Yeah, like, like we're it not doesn't doing, taste vegetal anymore. Yeah, we're not doing a ghost pepper pale ale or <laughs> right, no, right, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just, that's like a, that's I, just I think, a I think ghost peppers are passe now. I uh, think it's like some sort gimmicky. of like super scorpion death moth. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know what yeah. the hell it's called. It's called the Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Good luck drinking this, man. Yeah, I mean, because obviously, you know, with uh, all the work that we do with Thai cuisine and stuff, you know, it's always like sweet, spicy, sour, and all that. In fact, I had this conversation um, probably a couple of days ago. Um, 
about how, you know, there's this perception that Thai food and, and Southeast Asian food is all about balance. And it is, right? Like you have the sour, the salty, the sweet, uh, the spicy, but it's not all on one plate. Like right. it's supposed to be like five, six plates all served together, but that's not the way that we really eat in the United States. So like you might get one dish and it's like, ooh, this is too salty. It's like, yeah, because you're supposed to order the other three things to go along with it. Right. And right. so in Thailand, you just get it all, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like that balance is always kind of a tricky thing because you don't ever know how somebody is going to consume your food. Mm-hmm. Are um, you referring to your green papaya salad? <laughs> no, but that's one of them, yeah, that right? Hot. I mean, it, 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 it shows its heat very well because of the citrus, right? So um, that's why I, when we're training new employees, always the first thing I teach them is like, hey, sugar will pull heat and citrus will push it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like just because I say that there's like whatever, a, an eighth of a teaspoon of, uh, of Thai chili peppers in this, if I put a bunch of lemon juice on top of it versus a bunch of sugar, like it's going to be two totally different stories right. there, you know. Um, but yeah, that papaya salad, you should taste it when they make it like with the like crunched up dried chili or uh, uh, crab and, and, and shrimp. It's, they put so much spice in it that it's so much. It, it's a lot. Yeah. There was a curry we had in Phuket when we were in Thailand last time. There were six of us. We got one curry, and they were like, "Oh no, it's really famous in Southern Thailand. You got to have it, but it's real spicy because, of course, you don't get spice choices in Thailand. Yeah. Everything's and, Thai hot, right? Yeah. Everything's just, well, just well, not, hot. Well, no, but not necessarily. Some stuff's just mild. Like there's a that's the th- misperception, right? That, like a lot of things that like, oh, I just I eat my pad Thai like super Thai hot. I'm like, well, Thai people don't really do that, right? You know, or like a masaman curry. They that would not be a spicy dish. It just isn't. And then there's some that are just like, holy shit, don't order it, man, unless you want to melt your face off. <laughs> and that was one of them. Six of us could not finish one curry down in, the, in southern Thailand. It was, wow. it was a lot, man. Mm. Wow. It was a lot, yeah. <laughs> Two hours later, someone's just like, yeah, it's like alien, right? Like, it just felt like there was like a, like a xenomorph about to burst out of your stomach, like a hole being burnt outwards in the acidic blood. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I mean, I do enjoy a little bit of heat, like, because it does, to me, um, like, in a beer, when you have a little bit of, like, Oñero, you said, and and the porter, um, it kind of gets a little bit of, like, that endorphin tingle, so that I feel like your senses are raised a little bit and more receptive to the rest of the flavors to come. Right. Yeah, we rarely do chili beers, but uh, we actually made this one. The Brewers Guild Summerfest was... Uh, last weekend and it was kind of fun to bring something different to that so we did oh, the right. chili beer for I miss that. Summerfest man yeah it was it was fun it was a, the weather was perfect this year it was great and you could prove that porters taste good in the summertime too exactly yeah that is definitely something that I've always been curious about is this like attachment to like a certain beer style to a certain season and I mean I get it with like an Oktoberfest would be brief right. Oktoberfest or whatnot. but I mean are you seeing that change whatsoever as, as people are a little bit we we do definitely brew more dark beers in the winter time but we try to keep one or two on in the summer yeah I would say I feel like people who like dark beer like it no matter what right like I still love IPAs in the dead of winter because I love IPAs but I'm happy to drink oh she's one of those people (laughs) but I do like this porter I love it and I think your porters are always season appropriate and if you like dark beers you like them no matter what so I feel like I need to get a pint of Big Ed just 
Because, because. Like, I mean, yeah, we're here. It's me. We're Sans Arthur. That's why we haven't uh, we haven't got kicked off of iTunes so far today. I mean, like, you know, you've noticed a lot right. a lot less uh, offensive comments, and that's that's because Arthur is out in Texas somewhere out there with the tumbleweeds, <laughs> taking it easy for all us sinners. So, that's funny. <laughs> the uh, the I, big ad IPA was actually named after there was a ATA Airlines had a. a an airplane named Big Ed. Oh, really? So we had, it had been 10 years since the airline went out of business, so we had a big reunion here, and everyone drank way too much Big Ed. On the airplane? <laughs> no. It oh, okay. Was, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Jesus, man, don't horrify me. I still fly on occasion. No, no, no. <laughs> Just uh, everyone... We all gathered here and... Everyone will notice I didn't ask any stories about pilots and what they do on their time off. I don't want to know. <laughs> like, growing it's, up... It's more boring than you think. Well, well growing <laughs> up, like, my dad, his best friend was a pilot, and he always said, if I get on a plane and I look in the cockpit and I see my buddy sitting there, I'm getting right the fuck back off that plane. <laughs> and I never really thought that that, like, was a big thing. Like, he's just fucking around, his buddy, whatever... And then I like grew up and I had friends that became like doctors and like specialists. And you're like, wow, yeah. I don't know if I'd want you operating on my heart, man. Yeah. It's like, wow, we, yeah. I've That's seen you too, passed out yeah. um, face down in the grass outside with a sprinkler. And, yeah, right. Just so. to seek out strangers for you know, potentially life and death situations. Yeah. So you don't know their history. <laughs> Man, I had a, uh, he's, he doesn't do it anymore. He actually left, but I have uh, a herniated disc in my back. So I, on occasion, every couple of years, have to get a cortisone shot. And the first time I had it done, man, he, um, like, I mean, that's like a fucking, I don't know how big the needle is because I've never had to look at it, but I know that it's like a fucking five, six inch needle that goes into your, like, it's like an uh, epidural. Wow. Mm-hmm. goes in your, 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 in between your vertebrae. And as we're like sitting there, he's like, oh, it's like a restaurant business. He was like, yeah, it is. It's like Pulp Fiction. And he was like, hey, uh, you're in the restaurant business. So do you know blah, blah, blah. And he names this guy that is just like a sleazeball in the business. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. And he's like, yeah, he's my best friend. And I'm like, take the needle out. Take the needle out. Take the needle out. I'm like, I don't trust you anymore, man. <laughs> but you can't move, right? Because you're like frozen. You're like, if I move, am I going to be paralyzed? I don't know. You don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> man, this is awesome. Like, I, 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 every time I come up here, I always wish I had a little bit more time to come up here and I don't live two blocks away, which is probably a good thing. I, right. I, I, I know that Chef Micah gets to cruise by probably a hell of a lot more than he should. <laughs> when I see him here, I'm like, don't you have a restaurant to run? Oh, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, he does, in fact. In fact, Micah, you are now busted. service tonight? <laughs> yeah. But um, when I do come up here, I tend to have a few too many drinks. Um, and we're, we always ask every guest, you know, if you've got a hangover cure that we can't subscribe to because eventually one of these days we might even compile this onto a big giant list on our website, you know, so everybody can just try everything, I guess. But uh, do you have any hangover cures, Aaron? I feel like yours are going to be like some weird esoteric, like climb a mountain, there's a yogi there, he's going to give you a turmeric <laughs> juice. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I've hurt myself many times. And I, coffee, Excedrin, coconut water. That's... That's Does it work, it. though, or is it just, like, suffer through and... Well, I have to catch it early. Ah. Even, like, 
really early, take the Excedrin or ibuprofen before you go to bed. That's the tough one, though, is to remember to do that. Because you don't always, yeah, you don't always have the wherewithal to think about that no. as you're stumbling <laughs> to bed. So When I travel out of town, I do. Um, I have a kit. I have, like, a shaving kit, but it's all just my hangover kit. <laughs> and well, the first thing I do is I unzip it, and I put everything next to where I'm going to be sleeping. I put my, like, Advil, and I put my Xanax because I have the anxiety issues, and so, like, that's exacerbated by alcohol consumption. Um I put my, uh, the fuck you call it, Tums. You know, yeah. I, it, I drink a lot of tiki drinks, so it's like all that acid sits all night, and you're uh-huh. like, oh, why is my throat on fire? Right. And I just put everything there. But when I'm at home, I don't think about that at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I pay it's the price. It's not right there at your fingertips, yeah. Yeah, it's down in the kitchen, and I'm too lazy to go down there. <laughs> burnt, burnt toast. Really? Dry burnt toast. Allegedly, the burntness, the carbon kind of acts as a filter and helps hangovers. Really? Yeah. Now that is a first. There's also a cocktail across the street that has activated <laughs> charcoal in it, so I'm going to try that next time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, man, but Care I'm... the dog and charcoal. I am right. against the activated charcoal and cocktails, really? and that's not anything against Westwork or, or anybody that does that. You don't like your cocktails to look like puddle water? I do actually like that. Okay. I, I like the, the visual effect of it. I, we spoke about it a bit, I believe, with Camper English on the gin and tonic what the fuck episode, but uh, he and I are, bo- are both in agreement because you're playing with people's medicine at that point. I mean, I, like I said, I have Xanax, and that'll fuck Xanax straight the fuck up. But if you have like other serious medications that you consume, that activated charcoal can really screw you up. I I stay away from it. It's not an ingredient. Just like tobacco tinctures. I mean, you could kill somebody. <laughs> like this shit was literally in the Anarchist Cookbook, which was highly sought after when we were all kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you just get it on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was like how to poison somebody using like cigarettes. And so yeah, I stay away from like tobacco tinctures, activated charcoal, anything that could be potentially dangerous mm-hmm. to me. You know, I'm like, I think a black drink looks cool. But you know what? If I really, really, really want a black drink that badly, I'll just go get some fucking food coloring. <laughs> you know, like, that's very, very noble of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just concerned about my own health. Too, you know, like I don't. How about you, Mark? Um, I'm getting uh, to the age now where I just try to avoid the hangovers. Uh, I stay out of. Uh, the distillery uh, <laughs> try to. That's hard, man. It's yeah, literally. I know, it is. It's, like it's 40 very hard. paces from, not even 40 paces. Or I, I limit how long I stay over there. Oh, that's probably a better way to put it. And uh, two beers, one water. To uh, That's your ratio? Yeah, that's fine. So if you have so, six beers, you're drinking three waters? Yeah. <laughs> Lately, I've taken to asking people to uh, just make sure I have water in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, then right. I, and then I drink it. It's always in front of me. I just never drink it. Right. That's the problem. It's like, oh, no, this has water in it. I mean, it's like lime juice. Lime juice is part water. (laughs) (laughs) Next morning, I'm not feeling that quite so much. Yeah. Right. Well, man, this has been awesome, guys. Like, I'm glad that we finally got both of you on the show. And, you know, without Arthur, that was great, too. So, uh, Sorry, hope you had a good time there, there Arturo you. Negro, out there in Tejas. Uh, I don't even know what he's doing down there. I think he's probably doing a wine class of some sort. So that's usually what he is when, when he's traveling. It's what he's doing. So, um, but yeah, we are going to reconvene here with some really cool guests in the coming uh, coming weeks. 
But uh, before we go, do you guys have any like social media accounts that we can follow or that our guests can follow to check you out? Right. Our most of the common one, we use Facebook the most. We're um, kind of on the older end here. Yeah, so Twitter. Right <laughs> Old people. Yeah, we can't remember Twitter passwords and stuff. So Facebook. Twitter died when Trump got elected. Yeah. <laughs> right. Pretty much. So uh, our Facebook is just Cannonball Brewing. And uh, we also do Instagram. Um, Lots of tasty food pics and yeah, no, tablets and stuff I love Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, because, I mean, who doesn't want to look at cool pictures of beer and food? I, and Instagram's friendly. It is. Right. Yeah, it's not like, <laughs> fuck you, man, your beer sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but it's not like Twitter anger. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what, it's more what's reserved. the uh, Instagram handle? Um, no one knows. I know. It's, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Cannonball I don't know. Brewing underscore... Really? There was already a Cannonball know. Brewing? I don't there? know. It's, no. Isn't there some I think it is just Cannonball Brewing now. Okay. <laughs> we'll have I to, hope so. We, one of our uh, servers uh, mainly does the Instagram our, account. Our under, you, your wife is probably out there screaming at the podcast <laughs> right now. Like, God damn it! I no, spent so long setting that up. <laughs> it's our under 30 uh, <laughs> staff that handles Instagram mostly. So right. I, I mentioned we're old, right? <laughs> I didn't mention it. Facebook's easy when you're over 40. <laughs> yeah, but now they like throttled the access to everything. Like like 14 people out of like 5,000 are going to see anything you put up there. We pretty much use just use our Facebook to put up cool articles, reposted by friends or whatnot, mm-hmm. but. Like, most of our content goes up on Instagram and our website. Which, by the way, if you want to find us, we're at shiftdrinkpodcast.com. Um, on Twitter, we are shift underscore drink, but we really, very, really use uh, Twitter. It's primarily Instagram um, and Facebook, which is Shift Drink Podcast. So, yeah, find us there. And, um, hey, let's go drink a big egg. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>